Well, Lord, we thank you for this day that we could be gathered together in your name, that your word is true and it is pure and it is light to our path. Lord, I ask you for, I thank you for your presence and we welcome your presence to minister to us, to speak to us all today. Even in and out of my own voice or the word, the scriptures, whatever you have to say to people individually, to highlight and bring things up, to direct our path, Lord, in all things. Amen. Yeah, so going on, going off of even the intro, you know, Steve's intro today, I feel that strongly for our church and for the people of our body, a, a, a year of, of great freedom coming to people, freedoms like the word of the year that I feel, the essence of true deliverance and true freedom, and I feel like I can see it happening, the Lord maybe kind of forecasting that for people, becoming so much more free than they ever knew they could be this year um the true identity of the sons and daughters of god walking in freedom and and freedom equals fruit it it equals manifesting the kingdom of heaven wherever we go and um you know so but there's something that is there's there's a great power in the voice of the lord in the connection of the lord's voice isaiah um i'm sorry jeremiah 23 you know Talks, Jeremiah 23, 29 says, Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. And there's something about connecting to the true voice of the Lord, that rhema, you know what I mean? That where, where there's a direct communication between him and yourself, the word of the Lord is like a hammer that breaks things out of your way. It creates paths that seem like there was no path. And I see that happening for us. And, and you know, Isaiah, you know, Jeremiah, I'm sorry, 23 is obviously, it's talking about ministers and prophets and people, you know, prophesying and, and speaking things that weren't the word of the Lord. And, and it was like, well, there's e the evidence that the word of the Lord is real is that it forces change. And force is a scary word to some people, but it, it forces breakthrough. It is like fire. It cannot be quenched. It, it burns the path open. And, and, you know, my job, one of, one of the greatest aspects of my job, the mandate the Lord's given me, is not to be some type of an oracle, <clears throat> but to bring the word of the Lord, but also is to connect people to the word of the Lord himself, to connect people to God. Because man, when you start to hear the Lord's voice in a real way, it's like getting on a train that will not stop. It does not stop. Once you get on this train, man, it, it just keeps going and going. You cannot even jump off it. It starts to move. And, and it takes your life in a, in a place and in a way that is um, the key to your heart becoming, you know, stepping into the fulfillment of the promises of the kingdom and the fulfillment of the destiny and purpose that God's put in it before the foundations of the earth. You know what I mean? And so... Um, it's very, very real. Uh, but there is such great power. There is such a great power. Speaking of the hammer that breaks the rock into pieces um, and the fire of the voice of the Lord into coming into agreement with the Lord's voice and the, into the Lord's will. There's something, it cannot be thwarted and it cannot be stopped, no matter how impossible it seems to be. You know? And um, it's, it's, it's earth-moving power like the equipment that they use to like push boulders and stuff like that earth moving equipment, you know, you know, not, you know, pushing through trees and timbers to create roads. It is, there's something to coming into agreement with the Lord's voice. And um, that's what real faith actually is. That's what really, that's what truly it is to know the Lord, man. And um, his voice, like it says in Hebrews 12, it shakes everything of this temporary place. We are called to manifest the kingdom of heaven in a real and profound way. And the kingdom of heaven will trump everything of this plastic matrix that we call reality, or the world calls reality. There's a higher reality that we're called to walk in, man, you guys. And, and, and it, it is called, called to be implemented and released by the sons and daughters of heaven, Amen. the sons and daughters of the king, simply by listening to his voice, creating space for him in the here and now, and walking by faith. You know what I mean? And there's something, as I'm looking back over this past year to two years, that I, I feel like the Lord has been preparing our household, our church, our people. Like, there's been such a theme 
a theological theme, the theology of the true identity of God, the goodness of God. And I've gotten so much feedback over this past few years of people whose minds and hearts are being delivered all from the simplicity of realizing and come to understanding and seeing through the scriptures that God is actually good. And not good as in some, well, it's good, it's hard, but it's, you know, but good as in like altogether good, kind, lowly of heart, you know, that, that Matthew eleven twenty nine like purely good, the, not bipolar, not the knowledge of good and evil, but, but wholeheartedly loving and good to his people. And there's something that that is unlocking in people, and that is actually faith. We've mentioned it over the past few years, a little bit last week, of all the people that came to him accurately by this faith as him being good, and and he met them in that goodness. No one was ever turned away from him. They literally, people came to him like the, the blind guys, and he would say, let it be according to your faith. You took a chance that I was good and I would do this good thing, and it, and it is true. That, you know, the Mark 140, the, the leper, if it is your will, it is my will. You know what I'm saying? You came in faith that I was good and that I would do this outside of my way and against the law to a leper, and I'll do it. The lady with the issue of blood, woman, your faith has made you well. Not my power has made you well. You've come into alignment, into agreement that Yahweh is good and he is kind, and it is not his will for you to suffer like this. And because of that, Mary in in John 2, right? He tells her, woman, about the wine party, you know what I mean? The wedding party, like, what has your request got to do with me? This is going to change some things. She turns and says, do whatever he says. You know what I mean? She's like, oh, I know, who, I know how good you are. I, I know her faith. Like, oh, I know you're good, and this is the good, right thing to do for these people. Boom. Something he wasn't, apparently, wasn't even intending to do. Just like the lady that touched the hem of his garment. He's like, who touched me? It wasn't like, oh, there's a, there's a lady that needs to be healed. Do you know what I'm saying? It was like completely not even in his, in his thoughts or in his mind to heal the woman. He was going to hear, heal a 12-year-old girl. You know what I mean? And she touched him. And it was like, who did that? And it was like, yeah, that was your faith. In other words, you bet right. You bet right. Your theology was right. You bet on the goodness of, whom, of who I truly am, and it paid off for you. There's something that is faith that is the Hebrews 11, you know, that by faith, by, you know, faith is the substance, the substrate, the, it is the foundational clearing for the things that are hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In other words, faith creates, it builds, it builds the foundation or clears the space for the house that the Lord wants to deliver, you know, and these people by faith created room in their life to receive a miracle. And what was that room? Like getting into his room and believing that he was good. And by doing that, it actually benefited them and it blessed them. And this is what this I've seen it happen in our house over and over again. I've seen so many minds get rewired from basically just poor theology of the bipolar Godhead figure that is prominent in the majority of the world, you know, And coming into the goodness of Jesus Christ being God, the embodiment of Yahweh in the flesh, in whom, James' half-brother said, there is no variance or shadow or turning. There's no father that's behind the back of the son. God, the Godhead, God himself is in complete and total agreement. For God loved the world. You know what I mean? It's just like there is no other if, and, or but there, man. And we're coming into that agreement. And guess what? That's the true faith with accuracy. That's the accurate faith that actually comes and it transforms everything. It transforms the believer in in the first place because it's seeing him as he truly is, right? 2 Corinthians 3.18, right? As we come to him without a veil over our face, instead of the veils of misconceptions that were brought in through the knowledge of good and evil, without those faulty veils, seeing him as he truly is, Jesus, the embodiment of Yahweh, even reading the Old Testament and even the epistles, because you can read Paul in a twisted way too, but reading them through those gospels causes you to see him as he is and it transforms your person, 2 Corinthians 3.18. It's like as you see him without a veil, you're transformed into the same image, into your true self, the true identity of the imagers of God who are created to actually manifest the power of God in the world, to have the success of heaven 
the promises of Abraham, the father of our faith. I'm doing hand quotes for all the listeners. But it's like, you know what I mean? It's like to step into that blessing that trumps the climate of this plastic world and ushers in the kingdom of heaven, which we see in Revelation. You know, we see the city of God, the capital, you know, that Philadelphia, you know, that new Jerusalem coming out of heaven into the earth where it will be established by, by us actually ushering that bad boy in. You know what I mean? So, uh, um, you know, so the transformation of the beholder, but also not only just transformed in us, but it will invade the reality of the world we inhabit because we're in this world. We're not of it, but we're in it, but we're here to be fruitful and multiply and release heaven on it. So, you know, I've come to this reality. We must see the goodness of the Lord. And, and I, I was praying for our team this weekend, this week, uh, our house and I, I got something and I saw something that I was excited because I've been doing this for so long, man. I've been preaching messages for, you know, 12 years and I, but I've never taught Genesis 24 and, and it kind of opened up to me and I saw it in a beautiful light. And so I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, it's like first Corinthians 10 says, Romans 15 says, these things that happened for them happened for us to see. We're looking at these stories and scriptures and passages of the old Testament through the lens of that four-sided cube that is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because that four-sided cube is the four people holding the paralytic guy, dropping him through the roof to meet Jesus and say, hey, son, the father, you know, your sins are forgiven. And this is how we see everything. This is what unlocks our mind, which is the roof. But I want to do Genesis 24. I love the sound of y'all's Bibles flipping around to that. Yeah, look at that, you know. I can hear it. It's pretty. Um, but we're going to go into this with this same mentality because this story is about the inheritance of heaven coming to the earth it's about somebody it's abraham but it's also isaac but it's like someone who the first person you know the father of our faith as it says in james 1 it's like he was called the friend of god which is such a beautiful scripture james 1 23 abraham believed god it was accounted to him for righteousness and he was called the friend of god he was called the friend of God. It's like, where was he called the friend of God? Because that's not written, but James said it. So it's true, you know. Um, but this is somebody who walked in friendship and closeness with God. He was the first, you know, God is called the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. So a little backstory there. You know, we have, we have um, Adam, Eve. We have Genesis 6, which, you know, many of you understand, you know, it's, it's the where the sons of daughters of God came into the daughters of men and they created a whole new race of beings in the world called the Nephilim. You know, some your Bible translates it giants a lot of times, but these are hybrid, you know, people, beings um, that were consuming the whole earth. And so thus you had the flood. Then after the flood, these beings somehow made a, made a comeback, you know, after, you know, for some, you know, Ham's son or, or uh, Noah's son, Ham, there was some, 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 some funny business that happened in his lineage. And so the, the giants came back, you know, and, and uh, so they started to have influence, but, but Noah, whose line was pure, continued on through some of his sons, you know, and, and, and next thing you know, you have the Genesis 10 to Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel of Genesis 11, right? You know, another rebellion that's against God that's led by these Nephilim and their influence, trying to break through some sort of stargate to actually achieve some, you know, to be like God, to, to have this breakthrough uh, of spiritual... Uh, understanding that would actually put them into the heavenly realm and and it was it was a rebellion and so you have the confusion of speech i know this is a lot for some people unless you come to a place like this on a regular basis and so you have genesis 10 which is behind genesis 11 which literally speaks about the table of nations these 70 to 72 depending on how you translate that nations of the world that actually resulted in the genesis 11 spread of the tower of babel and all the languages of the world and so in genesis 12 this is the fastest I've ever done this. But in, yeah, in Genesis 12, God starts over. You know, Deuteronomy 32 literally speaks about this book of Genesis and say he, di he, di he divided the people in their languages according to the number of the sons of God. That's what it says in Deuteronomy 32. And so all the nations were divided under all these lesser gods and Elohim that, that are quite valid and real in our Old Testament and very easy to prove. Um, but God started over with one guy. I'll make a nation out of this fellow named Abram, right? Genesis 12. So he calls Abram and he says, hey, I want you to come out of your family lineage 
you're going to be you're going to come into mine i'm going to take you to a land and and I, through your seed all of the families of the earth are going to be blessed now we know that looking hindsight this is talking about the lineage of the messiah himself would come and not only would he be the god of abraham isaac and jacob the son named israel but he would be a God who redeemed all of creation from every rebellion and every demonic entity and every false God and being that actually tried to usurp God out of the earth, right? So here's Abram who doesn't have a kid. You know, you're going to have a kid. Him and his wife are about 100 years old and they're just like, you're, that's pretty wild. But God starts small with some old people, a couple of old folks. And they got in their flesh and tried to accomplish the purposes of God on their own and created an Ishmael out of a side girl, uh, uh, um, a, a, a servant lady. You know what I mean? Ishmael. You know, Hagar. Yeah, Van Hagar. And so, you know, so that happens. And then the next thing you know, it's like, hey, you did that in your own strength, but there is a son of promise, and isn't it? You know, you're going to have another son. I told you, Sarah's going to have a son, and and boom, she ends up having a conceiving, having a little boy. She's a hundred something years old, man, and they have little Isaac, the son of promise. And so Abram, who's renamed Abraham, has started this fellowship and this connection with God, the one person, and he started to walk in this thing by faith. And the Bible says he became, he was called God's friend in James. Jesus' half-brother said that about him. And so here's Abraham, a friend of God who's walking by faith, the father of our faith, you know, as it says. And he's living by faith and he develops this track record with God, you know. And so there's some, there's some interesting things, but we're going to step right to Genesis 24, when Abraham was an old man, it's like, hey, he was already an old man, you know, um, but he was a, a much older. And God had made this promise th to, through his seed, which initially he didn't have any. All the families of the earth were going to be blessed. And Abraham actually had a heads up what that meant. Surprise, surprise. We get that when Jesus talks about him later on. But um, so the story about this great man, Abraham, who's walked by faith. Um, well, Cliff notes it a little bit, but I really encourage you to read this because I feel like it is for you. I feel like the message of this lesson is for you, and there's so many layers to it. But Genesis 24, he was very old, and Abraham says to his oldest servant of his house who ruled over all that he had, please put your hand under my thigh, which is how they would swear an oath, and swear an oath to the Lord, the God of heaven <clears throat> and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from among the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. So here's the plan. Abraham's hip to it. Through your lineage, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. But he had been called out from the land of his inheritance and called to this promised land, this place that he was heading to, that God was going to cause him to be fruitful and multiply and all the earth be blessed through his seed. But he also understands that he's not to intermix and intermingle with the people of the Canaanite lands. Because as we covered earlier in the fastest cliff notes of Genesis 6, 10, and 11 that we've ever heard in my life, um, there, was, there was an inner breeding. And this is not interracial breeding. This is inner um, the angelic breeding. You know, people that had left their proper abode, as it says in the book of Peter and in the book of Jude. Um, from the Elohim, this, this, some people call it the serpent seed, but this breeding that had happened that had corrupted the genealogy, the DNA of mankind. And Abraham was called to walk before God as a pure human, and his seed would, would bless the entire earth. So it was very important that Isaac didn't just go marry any girl from that, from that area. Not that everybody's seed was corrupted, but there was a lot, and quite possibly almost everybody. So it's very important. He's given his, his servant. Are we tracking? Can I get a head nod? Like, I think so. Yeah, we got, yeah. Okay, some real theologians in here. That's good. I'm glad. Because listen, this is a key to understanding the goodness of God, a lot of this stuff, a lot of the history of the Bible. And it's been, it's been, um, it's been hidden for a long time. Oh, thank you, ma'am. All right. 
so he gives this strict orders to the servant. The servant doesn't exactly have the same track record with the God of Abraham. He just, he just works here. He just works for Abram, right? And so he says something, go and take a, take a wife for Isaac, not from, it has to be from, my lineage is actually pure, has to be from this area. Um, go to my country and take a wife for him. The servant says back to him, but perhaps the woman won't be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? To which Abraham says to him, Beware that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family, and who spoke to me and swore to me, saying, To your descendants I give this land, he will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. If it happens that the woman is not willing, then you'll be released from this oath, only don't take me back there. And I love this, this all or nothing faith that Abraham has right here. He's like, trust me, this is going to work. You're gonna go there, you're gonna find who you need to find, and you're gonna bring her back. But there's a strict warning there as the father of the faith, but it's like, hey, you don't go back there and you don't bring my son back there. There's something in, in the faith where it's just like, we continue to move forward only. For you to bring her, she has to come here to us. And man, I'll tell you, I, I see a lot of younger faces in the crowd. You know what I mean? Like, this is, this is important. And, and this is even talking about marriage and stuff. It's like, when you're walking this walk, when you go all in with the Lord, the Matthew 6.33, the Luke 12.31, seeking first the kingdom and all that you need will be added to you. And not having fear to cause you to do things outside of the will of God, but trust that His goodness is coming. It's like we don't shop. We don't go backwards in order to go shopping for our spouse because there's nothing what we feel like in the here and now that fits, if that makes sense. It's just like, you know, it was like somebody, you know, the person you're called to walk with should be, should be willing to want to move forward in the things of the kingdom of heaven and the things of the Lord. You dig? It's like there's something to forward mentality. It's like, one, you don't bring him back there. We're actually just, and two, Isaac, and two, she has to come here. She has to come this way. So not from a Canaanite, and, and she has to come this way. Because it won't work out well for you. You know what I mean? The guy that's really cute and handsome, you know what I'm saying? He's kind of okay with the God thing and you're all the way in. It's like, yeah, but I'm really going to win him over in, a, in, in, in the first year or so. It's like, yeah, that's one way to think about it. But I've never seen it happen. You know. But God's plans and purposes for you are so good and can be trusted. It's like Abraham knew, like, trust me, the angel of the Lord, capital A, the Lord himself is going to go before you and he's going to tie these loose ends up. He's going to make this to happen and you're going to go, you're going to bring her forward into this reality. You dig what I'm throwing? So that's, there's, there, there's something there, but it's like, man, it reminds me of like when Jesus for the Passover, he sends the guys, or even when he's coming into Jerusalem for Palm Sunday, right? He says, go, there's going to be a cult tied, telling the master, you know, it's just like, and they show up and it's there, like he said. Like he knew there was going to be a donkey. It was going to be made ready for him. You know what I mean? It's some, I was going to say it's some Jedi stuff, but it's some God stuff, man. You know what I mean? Or go into the town. There's going to be a place prepared. They're going to have an upper room. Tell them the master needs it. And da, 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 da. It's like, yo, this is a huge holiday weekend. Everything's going to be sold out. There's not going to be an upper room prepared and ready for our large group to meet there. You know what I mean? But Jesus spoke it and they went and they found it just as he said you know what i mean and abraham's walking in this in this level of like he's he's hearing the fear of his servant but what if it doesn't happen or what if she doesn't want to come or what it's like listen he's going to prepare this for you it's going to be there the woman's going to be there you just listen to the word and you follow through and watch it come to pass you know and it's just like abraham's like Obi-Wan Abraham or something, you know, he's in some type of Yoda. He's in some type of foresight that's brilliant, but there's a reason that he's there. Anyways, so the servant, you know, put his hand under his thigh and made this promise. 
he took 10 of his master's camels and departed for his, you know, with his master's goods, okay? So it's like, you know, kind of like, I'm not trying to get you to marry some loser. We got, a, we got a good, we're doing pretty good. You know, he's coming up packing some camels and some goods and stuff. Like, hey, you know, this is a good deal. Because most people are like, well, where's the guy at? Does he look really strange or something? Like, why are you just trying to get me to come, you know, marry some random dude, you know? And, uh, but yeah, so anyways, but it's not about that. It's about faith. And so he gets his camels. And so he comes, <clears throat> he rose and he goes, he goes to Mesopotamia in the city of Nahor. And, and he makes his camels kneel outside the city well of water at the evening time when the women go out to, to draw water. And then he starts praying. This is great. The servant's starting to connect to Yahweh himself, you know. Oh, Lord God, my master, Abra my master Abraham, of, of my master Abraham, you know, the God of Abraham, my master. So you're praying to God, but it's not even your God. It's my master's God, you know. My boss is God. Please give me success this day. Show kindness to Abraham, my master. Behold, I stand by the well of water, and the daughters are coming to the city, you know, of the city are coming out. Let it be that the, wo wo the woman to whom I say, Please let down your pitcher that I may drink. Will say back to me, drink, and I will also give your camels drink. And let her be the one that you've appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this, I will know that you've shown kindness to my master. So I think it's so funny. Like <laughs> he's going up to him and he's talking like, all right, so God, I need your help. Make this girl come out. And, and if I offer her a drink, I ask her for a drink. If she lets me have it, then I'll know it's you. As a matter of fact, when I ask her for a drink and she lets me have it, and then she says, you know what, I'll, I'll give drinks to all your, your 10 camels and whatever else, then I'll really know it's you, all right? So could you just make that happen and that'll be my green light? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's like, we talk about throwing a fleece out. This guy was just playing the game, dear Abraham's God. You know what I mean? If you think about it, it's just so funny to me. <clears throat> I love verse 15, it says, and it happened before he had finished speaking that Rebecca." comes out with a pitcher on her shoulder. She was very beautiful, a virgin. No man had known her, and she went down to the well and filled her pitcher up, you know. And the servant, it says, ran to meet her. Say, hey, could, uh, can I have a, dr some dr a drink from your pitcher of water? You know what I mean? In verse 17, and it's like, I, I just think it's funny. Like, he's sitting there, okay, dear God, of, dear Abraham's God, would you make this happen? And da, 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 you know, he's sitting there talking, probably looks like, if you watch like a movie, he's sitting there talking like he's talking to himself. <laughs> If they said, like, well, who's that guy over there with the camels? And who's he talking to? And let her come on down. And make sure that she's moving. And maybe she'll water my camels. And she walks out with a picture like, okay. You know what I mean? Like, what's this guy doing? And he runs up on her like, excuse me. I was wondering. Would you be willing to give me a drink of your water? Hmm? But he's, and he's like thinking like, this is your cue, God, if it's really you. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's, playing a, he's like doing a little trick. But it's not really about him. You know, and it wasn't fully even about Abraham, really. It's about something so much more precious, you know. <laughs> and um, now the young woman is beautiful. She said, yeah. And so she said, drink, my Lord. Then she quickly let her pitcher down in her hand and gave him a drink. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she's like, you know what? I'm going to go get some water for your camels until they finish drinking too. Amen. The kindness of, of the true nature of God starts to manifest through Rebecca towards this guy and so he's like all right he's just in there drinking like this i think mm. yeah it's good water anything anything else you want to invite me <laughs> you know he's in there that in his mind he's, this, is a, this is a test and she's like yeah you know what let me get your camels of water like oh really <laughs> he's like praying okay god of abraham i think this is you you know what i mean and so it, it it's just a funny little little deal and um, so it was, you know, the camel's finished drinking and he takes a golden nose ring weighing half a shekel and two bracelets for all, and he starts breaking gold out for the girl. Asks, whose daughter for you? Whose daughter are you? Is there a room at your father's house? She's like, yeah, you know, we got, we got tons of room. He comes back, he meets the family. He meets the brother, which I am a brother of two sisters, and I was not cool to boyfriends. For real, you know what I mean? Like, not cool at all. Um, you know, aggressive, smart, aggressive, you know. Aggressive to the older ones, older sisters, or, or smart aleck to them, but really aggressive to the younger sisters' boyfriends. So that's, you know, 
I'm another person now. But her brother's like, yeah, man, come on in. Blessed of the Lord. Like he, you know, they're wanting to wash his feet. They're setting food before him. And he says, I'm Abraham's servant. Um, uh, they set down food for him in verse 33. And, and, and it's like he has an agenda. Thanks for letting me stay here on my journey. You know what I mean? And he just has to come out with it. He's like, all right, I'm not going to eat until I've told you guys about my errand. And they're like, the dad's like, okay, well, what, what's going on here? You know, the Lord blessed, has blessed my master greatly and he's become great. He's given him flocks and herds and silver and gold, male and servants, male and female servants. Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to him when she was old. And to him, he's given all that he has. But my master made me an oath that says, you shouldn't take a wife for my son from among the daughters of the Canaanites in, in whose land I dwell. But go to my father's house and to my family and take a wife for my son. And so master, uh, I told my master, perhaps she's not going to follow me. You know, he's, he's, so he's telling them the stories. Like, I was like, man, what if she doesn't want to come? I know that's a lot to ask. But my master said, the Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with you and prosper you upon your way. Yeah, that's a verse for you. That's uh, Genesis 24, 40. The Lord, this is Abraham. This is the father of our faith. This is somebody that's in the cloud of witnesses. Um, and this is for our life. But the Lord bef before whom I walk will send his angel before you and prosper you. It's like, hey, when you commit to fully follow through on the things of the purposes of the kingdom of heaven, you connect to his voice, you have to understand one thing, that it is his good pleasure to give you his kingdom. And he actually goes before and works out the things that are, that are in your path that will unlock things in this dimension of time and space that are of the kingdom of heaven that will bless you and bless all those who you encounter. And it's not even necessarily about you just being blessed. That's a side effect of being the son of the king. It's even more about them. This wasn't even about Isaac. It was about Jesus. It was about the very lineage. Who was more concerned? God's heart. When we see Jesus taking the Last Supper, he's like, I've longed to take this with you. For the joy that was set before me endured the cross. You know what I'm saying? The, the shame didn't even matter to him is the way it's written in Hebrews 12 too. So it's like God's intention was to rescue all of mankind. And Jesus' heart was like, I'm finally doing it. Going into the cross. But that same God is this God, the God of Abraham. And so it was like, oh my gosh, is it really going to work out for Isaac to have a, a good wife? Is she going to be weird? And How's this going to work? It's just like, hey, like, yes, it's God's blessing for your family and your house. But God's plan is so much bigger than you can ever imagine. And it's what it's those you are going to touch through your lineage. It's not even just about your family. That's part of it. But it's the people you and your family are going to touch and bless. It's such a brilliant thing. You know, we we. If we, we cannot put our faith in the bipolar God, it is not real and it is not of the scriptures. It's the goodness of God, who's a good dad, you know. And it's about walking in the wholeness of the kingdom of heaven in the here and now. And it's not just for us. It's for us and it's for everyone that we're called to impact, which is a lot of people. Just in this building right now, there are millions of people that will be impacted. And I'm not talking about from this recording or you know what I mean I'm talking about from the lives of the people that are represented in the here and now those who will choose to walk by faith it is so much more precious in the eyes of your true father because the inheritance is one heaven in your life in the here and now but it's also so many people that he's called to have unlocked in this time and space and in the age to come of eternal life you know what I mean and that's what's going on here you know what I mean? So Isaac said, or I don't even know this guy's name, the servant. He's like, so this is the plan. And he's even telling them, when I got here, I prayed, you know, dear Abraham's God, <laughs> make it happen like this. Give, tell her to give me a drink and then even give my camels a drink. And she did it. And it worked. Before I had finished speaking, there she was, Rebecca coming out with her pitcher on her shoulder. And she made haste and let her pitcher down for me to drink. And so he's sharing this with, these, with the brother and the family. Um, and he says, I gave her these bracelets and I gave her this nose ring. And uh, I, I bowed my head and worshiped the Lord. 
and blessed the Lord God of my master Abraham who led me in the way of truth. That's a beautiful, in the way of truth to take the daughter of my master's son, the daughter of my master's brother for his son. Now, if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me, and if not, tell me that I may return to him. And it's great because Laban, which you can find out more about this dude, he's kind of a sketchy, kind of a sketch artist, but at the same time in this, his answer was like, this thing is from the Lord. We can't speak to you either good or bad. That's his verse. That's <laughs> Genesis 24:50. This is from the Lord. In other words, like, it doesn't matter what I think or what I want. I can see this is God. Imagine that. The purpose of your destiny, the relationships you're called to walk in, the, the career, the path, the, the creative destiny that God has for each, each and every. It's like it doesn't matter who's for you or who's against you. It's actually of the Lord for you to be fruitful, multiply, for you to have success, you know what I'm saying? For the relationships to be life-giving, for you to be whole. This thing is actually from the Lord. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks to try to help you. So this isn't about our network. It didn't try to help you get there or to try to sabotage you because it's competition. It will not matter when we follow the Lord. And that's Laban's, that's Laban's best thing he ever said that I know about. He said, here's Rebekah, take her. And it came to pass when Abraham's servant heard their words that he worshiped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. So here's somebody doing what we would think is awkward things. Here's your son. Okay, thank you. Oh, he's, he's entered into a connection with God to where he's just started praying. And he breaks out and he does bow. You know, worshiping is not like he, you know, he flipped on the boom box and, you know, did the did the Hillsong rock back and forth or whatever this is, you know, I mean, he, he, he prostrates himself down to the, to the Lord. Like I worship you. Oh my gosh, you're real. This is real. Abraham told me you were going before me. You really, you're here. You're with me doing this. I just work here. My goodness, this is amazing. And he's stepping into a relationship with God, you know? So they tried to kind of hold her back for a little while her brother and her mother in verse 55. And there's, there's lessons in that. If you can read that for yourself, I don't want to do that for time's sake. Um, you know, you know, don't, don't go, you know, stay, stay for, stay 10 days, stay 10 days with us. Da, 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 da. You know, it sounds like the way Pharaoh was with Moses, but they called Rebecca for herself and they said, Hey, will you go with this man? And she said, I'll go another, another, you know, Hey, that's the spouse. Like I'm down. What is of the kingdom? I'm down. The Lord has that for you guys. You young people, man. I promise you this seek first the kingdom of all things and don't take shortcuts and don't don't do it in your own strength let the lord allow allow the lord to lead you into these things and it's not just relationships but i know that's a tag so i love the the, the word of the lord is like a hammer so i like to smash with that hammer sometimes and it's very real and i live it i'm not a scribe i live this and it's happened to me um it continues um but and they 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 blessed Rebecca and said, I love this blessing. Our sister may become the mother of thousands of ten thousands, which she did. And may your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. Ooh, man. I have, I have goosebumps to that. Let your, let your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. You know what I mean? The father of faith, you know, has initiated this. This is his lineage. Uh, may you possess the gates of those who hate you. This is Jesus' words. Matthew 16, you know, I'm going to build the ecclesia, the church. It's not a club. It's something else. Like, what is this? He's like, you know, on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You will possess the gates of the ones. It's not like we're going to go live in hell. He's talking about you will possess like their cities will become yours. And this is this is the promised land. This is the Nephilim. This is Canaan. This is that true place they will possess your lineage will this is a true blessing that was of the lord from people that wanted to hold her back a little bit but when she was wholehearted, it affected her people another thing people live like the people that used to come to jesus you know what i'm saying well let me go bury my father first before i follow you you know what i'm saying which didn't mean he was about to die it just means like let me live and please my family and do the things the way that we've always done them you know what I'm saying? Let me just run things away, not to rock the boat, because my family thinks I'm an idiot if I go all the way after God. It's like, hey man, you know, nobody puts his hand to the plow and looks back. It's actually worth fit for the actual kingdom. 
That's the kind of stuff that Jesus used to talk about. It's just like, hey, listen, it's like we don't don't appease not to rock the boat, our lineage or our friend groups or whatever else in following the Lord. We choose to follow the Lord with that wholehearted resolve, and that affects them. Because now they're they're wanting to hold you back. Next thing you know, they're prophesying things that are written in the Bible for all time. We liberate people, not by staying with them in stagnancy and petting them, but by moving forward in the Lord no matter what. And that is effective. Believe it. It's like a fire. It's like a hammer that breaks rocks. I'm telling you, the Word of the Lord is powerful. I love, I love it. You know, Our job is to, is to let it out. Let that dog hunt, they say, Joy. That's what they say in Texas. Let that dog hunt, but it's not a dog. It's like you let that hammer, you, you, you partner yourself with the word of the Lord. You connect to him and he clears the path and he opens it. And it's just like, whoa, it is a train that once you step onto will not stop. It doesn't stop. Um, so Rebecca and her maids arose and they went to the camp, you know. But I love this in verse 62. It says, so there... Rebecca and her maids and, and obviously the servants coming back and he, his, he's in worship mode because like this really worked. This is amazing. Abraham's God's actually real. He actually did this. This angel, was, he said would be with me, was, you're actually with me. I can't see you, but you're with me because this happened. Now Isaac, it says, came from, from the way of Beer Lahai Roy, for he dwelt in the south. So he was back in the, in the southern regions uh, where his actual dad was. And it says in verse 63, And Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening. And he lifted his eyes and looked, and there the camels were coming. So those look like my dad's ten camels. What's going on here? Then Rebekah lifted her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from her camel and... Um, she, she said to the servant, who's that man that's walking in the field to meet us? And the servant said, that's him. That's, that's my master. She, so she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent. His mom had just passed away too in the last chapter. Um, and she became his wife and, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. This is a beautiful thing. This partnership of faith between Abraham and Sarah, that lineage of faith was now going to be carried on by two other faithful people. And it was Isaac and Rebekah. And it was a few years ago, maybe it was like 2016, I remember starting to, at night, you know, I have the disciplines, I think we, all, we should all be saturated in the Word and in the Bible. Even if you don't really understand it well, you should still read it. Not, you don't have to do it a ton, but just it's, just, it's very, very valuable. Um, but at night I got to the point where I would meditate every night and I started and, and, and I started, I was like, I'm going to take five minutes a night to where I go outside, usually on my back or on my driveway area. And I just meditate before the Lord and I'm not a guru. So I don't understand what meditation is. It basically means just doing nothing. Right. You know what I mean? This ain't like Tony Robbins. This is like, this is DT like, you know, so I'm just, I would just walk out and what meditation means to me is to go before the Lord empty-headed. Because I could be somewhat religious sometimes, to be honest, and so I can come out like, our Lord, oh Lord, I come for you. You know, some of you, you hear people like, oh, Father, I come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ right now. Uh, you know, we have these little incantations, these weird religious grids that we've been raised in. But I started to say, I'm going to create space and I'm going to set apart time for the Lord where I'm not reading, I'm not preparing for a message, I'm not even talking to Him about things in life. I'm not praying for any specific thing, even if it's partnership for other people. And, and I'm going to go out to where my mind is just completely empty, like a blank slate. I'm going I'm to sit outside for five minutes, and it's going to. And, and, and I'd be even so religious that I would sometimes be like, "All right, Lord, like, just so you know, I'm out here just to hear whatever you have to say." But I'm not praying. I'm just sitting, right? Clear-minded. Okay, you know what I mean. And that's how it would start a lot of times. I would just go out there and take some deep breaths and just sit with an open mind. And just relax and meditate my mind before the Lord. And it was when our babies were little. So like, you, you know, your nerves were probably fried by the end of the day. You're like, golly, man, I need to go outside and breathe for a second. You know what I mean? But that started to become my, become my ritual where I was creating space by meditating. And when I did was the first time I saw this verse. 
that Isaac, because what, is, what does Isaac do in this entire story? A whole, nothing. It's like, dude, this is your wife. You're the one who should be doing something, man. At least some push-ups, try to look good, you know what I mean? You should have been riding them camels, riding around, you know, peacocking a little bit, you know, the way we think, you know what I mean? But what was he doing? He was abiding according to his father's lineage is what he was doing. And he was showing up into a field. What was he doing? Was he out there peacocking or something? Like, no. Was he fasting? Did he have a pillar out there, an altar or something? Like, no. It says he was going out in the evening and meditating. In other words, he was going out to just open himself up to the Lord to see what he would see or hear. He was creating space, relational space, where he was just coming out open. And I remember reading that when I had first started doing that, you know, because after a while you're like, am I doing it? Is this? And I read that and I knew like the Lord's given me this to do. I come out here because the Lord is, I'm taking time with him where my mind is not involved. I let him take me wherever he wants. You know, I just, it's like, wait a second. He's actually real and I don't have to control him and tell him what to tell me or what to talk to me about. Oh, so he's real. Kind of like the servant was thinking. Wow, the God of Abraham, he sounds like you're my God. And I was going out and setting time to myself and, and, and setting time before the Lord to let him take, take it wherever he went. And oftentimes messages and scriptures and, and visions and pictures, some that I didn't understand, some that I did would start to come. But it was because I was faithful just to show up. You know, There's a lot of people that they have trouble hearing from the Lord. I don't really hear him. I try, da, 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 da. It's just like, yeah, you were created to hear from him. So you don't need to try. You know what I mean? It's like the bird that gets pushed out of the nest. It's scared, but it's like, no, trust me, it's going to kick in. On the way down, it'll kick in. I'm like, well, I don't kick in. I don't know what I'm doing. I need a lesson. It's just like, no, you were created for it. We we're created for fellowship, yeah. connection. And it does come, it's Anything that violates the scriptures is not of the Lord. But the more that we're in it, the more grid and understanding we have to understand the things that he brings us into. Yeah. And God, to the point where I'd go out there and, I mean, my imagination and my heart and my, you know, my, the peace of the Lord, which is people are starving for. And it could be the most random things about the reversal of the fall. I can start to see the trees as about four times bigger than they actually were. It's like, wow, everything's called to be so much bigger. The world is capped by the fall. All of creation groans because it's actually subject to the futility of the fall. Romans 8, like, I started to step into those types of things. You know what I mean? And, and more than that, that would really bug you guys out. But the reality is, is that I'm not some mystic type of person. I'm somebody that created space. And anybody that creates space for him, he will come through. Because... You were created to receive. That radio doesn't know how to reach out and grab the signals. You know what I mean? It doesn't know what it's doing. But if it's plugged in, if it's created space for that, you know, you know it's just going to pick stuff up. You know? And to set a time, fellowship time with God with an empty mind, there's something, there's something so pure about that and so, and so beautiful about, you know, Isaac not doing anything, but like here's somebody who's abiding and just open for the things of the kingdom and they were being ushered into his life. Not because he was going out and look for it, because he was making space for it in the here and now. Amen. And here's his, it, you know, there's so many layers to this story. It is the story, if you want to take it, of a father who has actually put so many things into motion for the benefit of his son. And all his son had to do was be available to receive what his father wanted to give him. And that's us. Dude, that's real theology is the accurate view of the goodness of who God truly is and actually learning to trust in him. Because trust is faith. It keeps us from Ishmael's uh, creating, from, from doing things in our own strength. It keeps us open to meditate, to looking, to seeing, to listening, to to creating space for the voice of the Lord because when it starts to come and even we start to put practical feet to it, there's no getting off that train once it starts. 
once it starts moving, it's coming, yo. It's coming and it's going and it's moving and it will build and it will grow. But we just have to give him the room for it. I'm not saying it has to be in a meditation or whatever else. You know, my favorite is, is, the, is to read the actual Bible and to pray, but also to actually listen is the missing art of communication with God. To actually listen back. And once you pray your list and have read your stuff and have studied some things, and something highlight, it's not to just move forward and like, all right, back to my day. There also needs to be an aspect of our relationship. Because if I didn't listen to Nicole at all, all I just did is talk to her and tell her stuff. And as soon as she started talking, I just walked off. I don't think she would like to be around me that much. She might still. I don't think so. She's like, no, I don't think so. You know what I mean? But, there, but there's something to him being real. And there's something to Abraham's track record. It's like, why are you so? You're going to go. The angel of the Lord's going to go before you. It's like, dude, why are you so sure? And you're sending out a guy who's scared to do the servant. So there's another layer of the story. Like, what is this confidence Abraham had? It's like he had faithfully walked with the Lord and he believed what God had told him and it was accounted as righteousness, it says. That's a beautiful verse there, you know, in James 1. It's referencing Genesis 15 that him believing God was accounted to him as righteousness and that he was called a friend of God. He developed a relational connection of friendship of this walk of faith with God that he had a resume for God with God. And it's like, hey, I know his goodness. Even when he tries to play like he's not, he is, right? Even when I first had Isaac, you know, and Isaac was a little kid and, you know, one of the most confusing chapters, you know, Genesis 22, and God told me, all right, now take Isaac up and sacrifice him to me. You remember that story? Even when, even when he told me to do that, I was like, no, this ain't that. Because God had told him through your seed, all through Isaac, your seed, all of the world will be blessed. He's like, he knew it. I love it in, in Hebrews 11, verse 17 and 18. It says, by faith, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. That's that word monogenes or monogenos. Monogenes. And, and it's the same as, you know, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, Monogenes. And it's like, it's the very special son of promise. Because it wasn't his only son, he had Ishmael before him. But anyhow, that's another thing. But he offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. And Abraham was concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. So that's Hebrews 11. In other words, Hebrews 11 gives us a, a commentary that Abraham was basically calling a bluff. This isn't going to happen. And if it does, you're going to raise him from the dead. Like He stepped into something like this, this isn't real. This, this is plastic and this is not what's going to happen. And so, yes, I'm going to take him up there. I'm going to do whatever you say. But I know that it's not going to happen. Or if it does, you're raising him from the dead because this world is plastic and you have something greater purposed. And Abraham knew that somehow because he walked by faith. And so you see this unwavering point and even this point that God was making, I will provide. That's where we get that term Jehovah Jireh, like I will provide the sacrifice. There was a goat caught in the thicket of bush or something like that. And he's like, don't, don't sacrifice your son. It was just... I'm the one who's going to provide. God was making a divine point. I am not a pagan God of sacrifice. I am not one of these pagans that's going to cause you to do this to human life. I have something provided. And it's this beautiful exclamation point of the goodness of God that he wants us to have. He's not a savage. He's not. And so Abraham's old and there's, no son, there's nobody to marry his son yet. But he knows, he has this track record with the goodness of God, and he knows this is so much bigger than us. This is so much more about God's purposes. He's going to make it happen. He's going to give him the wife from the right lineage. So much like, you know what? If she doesn't want to come with you, you're completely released from even finding him a wife. That's how sure Abraham was. The angel of the Lord is going to go before you. This is going to happen. You know, Jesus said, when, when they were talking trash to Jesus in, in John 8, 
you know, the Pharisees are like, you know, are you greater than our father Abraham? <laughs> As a matter of fact, I am, you know, but he didn't say that. But are you greater than our father Abraham? And John eight fifty six, he says, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and he was glad. And it's just like, what? You're not even 50 years old. You know, they wanted to kill Jesus in John 8 several times, but in John 8 specifically when he said that, because he rejoiced to, to see my day and he saw it and he was glad. And it was just like, what? Like you've communed with Abraham? Like Abraham knows you? You know Abraham? Like what are you talking about? You're making yourself like God. Uh, but it, it's a beautiful thing because here's Jesus literally saying like, yo, like I, I actually know Abraham. Abraham followed me through the wilderness. He followed me in, into Canaan. He, he did all these things. And then he tells them, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And that's probably my favorite verse in the Bible. It's just such a, such a, like a, whoa, here's a human being. He desired to see my day and he saw and he was glad. They're like, what are you talking about? Before he was, I am. So here's the I am talking about Abraham you know, and saying like, he knew what was coming. Abraham stepped into such faith with the Lord Jesus. This is Yahweh himself talking about Abraham knew. He was so confident there in that, like, there's going to be a wife for him. It's going to work. The angel of the Lord is going to, he was so confident because that same angel, the angel of the Lord, the capital A, the Lord had told him. He, he desired to see my day. He saw the manifestation of the seed, the one who would be release the blessing that all the families of the earth would be blessed because it would bring us all back to being one family. And I think that is just, it's so epic. Here's somebody who knew the Lord in such a profound way. His theology was accurate, if you will. The goodness of God was set as a stone in his life. And because of it, he had, confident in, he had confidence and the doors of heaven were opened unto him. And this is our purpose. This is the way we're called to live. He trusted God so much, the goodness of God, that even when it sounded like it wasn't the goodness of God, he's like, not buying it. I'm not buying that. It's going to work. We're called to walk in this level of faith. You feel me? That's, that's real. What I'm going to read a couple points as, as I close, just see if I made any sense with things I wrote. What made Abraham so sure? It seemed Abraham had lived this life of faith with the Lord who had always come through for him. And not only this, but he realized that this whole thing was much bigger than just being about him and his family. It was the covenant family of Yahweh in whom all the earth would be blessed. I think we covered that. Personalized that. How much more does God want his imagers, his people, you and all of us, his representatives, to publicly walk in this life of faith and manifest the abundance and breakthrough of heaven in their life? Many times people have a poverty mentality just hoping God will meet their needs when it's actually God's intentional plan to prosper them with abundant life in order that they would shine as the poster children of the good father's inheritance. Hmm. Another point as far as listening and hearing the Lord's voice and walking with him is that we are building a resume. That's what faith is. Abraham had one with the Lord. He had a track record of knowing how faithful and trustworthy God was to, to manifest his goodness and to come through. And, and, and so we are building a resume in that same way. Better said, um, continually trusting in the Lord, the unchangeable goodness of the Lord is a faith which is rooted in the truth. And this changes everything. This plastic realm we call reality bends and moves and shifts to the one who's walking by faith. And that's real. That's us. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Point. What was Isaac doing? Meditating. That sounds like a fancy word for doing nothing. Yes. But what was he doing? He was coming out empty with no agenda other than to clear his mind and to make space. You know, we come into agreement with the Father's will for our life and all we have to do is show up. Amen. You're not responsible to, to walk out any instructions that you haven't received. Sometimes it's about, yeah, we just work here. It's about knowing him. And for those, like I said, people that feel like they have trouble hearing from God, sometimes it's just the need of creating space and not to try. 
don't get in our own strength and our own flesh, create space. Create time for the Bible itself. It doesn't have to be a lot. And just create time to ingest it. And create time to listen to the Lord's voice. Clear your mind. We were all created with this capacity. So we, we make room and let it happen. And it happens. Um, all right. Well, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the, the inheritance of faith that is ours. We thank you for the Bible and all this of the cloud, the, those who have walked this life even before us and the reality of heaven that they've entered into. Lord, I thank you that if we, as we seek your kingdom first and we prioritize heaven above all things, that it's actually your good pleasure. And so, Lord, even that fear that comes in that tries to make people question your will and your purposes and your goodness, Lord, I ask that the word of God and, and of life would come alive in all of our minds and would be like a hammer that breaks those stones into pieces, that burns the thorns that cover the path and the shrubs that would burn the path clear for us, even in this year of great freedom and breakthrough that we're all yielding our hearts and our lives to you. We thank you that as we are faithful to listen, you are more than faithful to speak. Amen.